We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. On Perpetual Chess, I have weekly conversations with the chess world's best players, promoters, and educators about their lives, careers, current projects, and best practices. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Adult Improver edition of Perpetual Chess. We've got another great interview with another inspiring adult improver. Uh, Shout out to Chess Reddit for the suggestion on this one. This week, we are joined by Kingzilla Online. He's he's done a lot of tactics on Chess Tempo and written a post there. He's written posts for Chess.com about his improvement philosophy, and those will be in the show notes for background. Uh, he gained about 170 ELO points a few years back uh, in, a, in a story somewhat reminiscent of Andres Krizdwa, where he just decided to buckle down, put in the work, work hard on his chess, and then he's blogged about it a little bit and told us some of his secrets of how he did it. And he's joining us from Spain today. Thank you for joining us, Cristobal. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's just my pleasure. Yeah, I'm excited to, to bounce some ideas off you, and that's Cristobal Savino. Although, again, online, uh, you can find him as Kingzilla on, on his chess accounts. Um, 
So, Cristobal, before we get in, get deep into chess improvement, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background, where you live in Spain, how you got into chess, and all, all of that good stuff. Okay, so uh, it's kind of complicated because I'm, I'm obviously my nationality is Spanish, Spaniard, but um, actually I lived twenty years in Luxembourg. In the so actually I grew up in Luxembourg. So. Um, I just lived in Madrid for the last uh, five years, five, six years, but um, basically four years in Pamplona where I studied and uh, five years in Madrid and 20 years in Luxembourg. So it's a bit uh, like that. And you're in Madrid now? Yes, I live in Madrid now for the last five, six years. Okay. Uh, And how did you get into chess? Okay, so basically, my grandfather was a national master, and uh, he was a very good player. And he he would we were we would go to his uh, to our grand grandparents' home back in Madrid in the summer, and we would uh, he would teach us the moves, how to play, how to solve problems, and uh, it. That's how I learned chess at the age of six, eight years old. But uh, how I got into chess was uh, more or less like a process because um, I really started getting interested in chess when I was about 13. So 12, 13, I, uh, obviously I took some, some uh, courses in, the, in school, some extracurricular courses. Which, uh, which was chess, and uh, I started playing with friends, started playing in school, and um, I started to get motivated, right? I started to learn a little bit about the, some chess positions and how to analyze the game. And, um, and basically, uh, my father told me, okay, when, what, what do you want to do? You want to play football? You want to say, no, no, that I... I would like to play chess. So, please, I would, I would like to go to a chess club. And this was in Luxembourg. Uh, I was around 12, 12, years old, 12 years old. So, was that your first tournament at the age of 12, or had you played tournaments before then? No, I didn't play. My first tournament was at 13. Okay. Uh, so, when I was 12, I was still... Uh, my father took me to the to the club, to the chess club in Luxembourg, which was uh, Vonewa Chess Club, chess club uh, Gambit, and uh, it was a very interesting uh, moment for me because it was the first time I I got into a club, meet meet other uh, <clears throat> kids, and met all the all the all the chess environment, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know, uh, the first time you go to a chess club, it's like uh, it gets stuck in your memory, right? It's uh, like a moment of uh, it's like a moment of where where you discover. 
uh, like a new yeah it's a it's a new obsession i mean it's a yeah a yeah, yeah. New, new like, lo- it's like our new love you know you meet a girl or guy <laughs> for, yeah, for yeah, yeah. whoever's you know depending on your inclination and uh yeah it just sweeps you up yeah it really hoops you up and it's, it's amazing because uh uh, you know, uh, the feeling of going to the club and meeting all the people there, seeing all these old old guys or playing, you know, in the chessboard, big chessboard, and um, it just uh, really gets you into it. Yeah, and it's like a and- hidden world. I mean, you might have had some exposure to it from your grandfather, but but to for me and for a lot of people, it's like. Uh, it's like you you open this you know it's like a hidden room in a house or something you don't know it's there and then you find yeah, you like find you, your people you, you open the Pandora box right yeah exactly it's like a, it's like the first moment where you realize that this there's a new world there's a different world that you discover right yeah and uh, um, it's uh, for me it was uh, going to a chess club was really the first moment where I took chess seriously right I was twelve years old. And um, so, uh, so basically, it was uh, Saturdays, uh, I think, uh, training. So I went. My father took me there every Saturday, and we trained for, I think it was about three hours, three hours training, with all the local kid, local kids, and um, it was a very. I mean, I have good memories about it because it was a very. A nice experience. Uh, I met a lot of uh, talented kids who later took chess um, seriously or not. But uh, uh, my experience is that when I started playing chess at the local club, uh, the kids, I mean, I was... uh, Okay, so I come here to this room, right? There are plenty of kids with many chess boards around. And uh, so the trainer comes and asks me, okay, let's, let's play a little game. So I sit up next, right next to another, another, another children, and uh, I start playing. And we start to play Ariel Lopez. And um, funny enough, the trainer was pretty surprised because I actually knew some stuff. And this is due to, to the fact that I learned some basic opening knowledge due to uh, some chess software, which was Chess, um, chess, Master, chess Master 8000 or something like that at the moment. So basically I could make some moves about... Uh, about the Ruiz Lopez, and uh, the the trainer was pretty surprised that I was making all the theoretical lines. But uh, it was really it was really a moment where <clears throat> I realized that um, I could play chess. I mean. 
Okay, and and then looking at your FIDE page, it looks like you were born in 1987. Any, any, no one with a FIDE rating can hide their age, so I, I was able to look that up and was just trying to put the pieces together. So this would have been around 1999 or 2000, so you were kind of right before the computer um, explosion in chess, right? So as you mentioned, there were chess programs, but it wasn't like it is now with tactic trainers and YouTube videos. And, no, and, of course not. The... the you know, it, I think it was my it was my it was it was my birthday, and I asked my father. Okay, he asked me, "What do you, would you like for your birthday? Do you want a computer game?" Or I said, "No, please, Dad. I want a chess book. Uh, I want to go to a library, and I want a chess book." So that's what we did. We go, we went to a library, and uh, I chose a chess chess book from a master Italian master, and. Um, do you remember which book it was? Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's not a very known book. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a very marginal book, but it was very good. I mean, uh, it was, uh, obviously, it was um, <clears throat> some master games analyzed uh, with a rating point system where you could see how good you were doing uh, and stuff like that. And um, yes, so it was interesting because it wasn't the moment of back in the two, in 2000, 2000, it wasn't the really the era of computer age, right? There were some computers, but uh, there were no tactical trainers, there were no all this software that it's that is uh, around today so but there was a chess chess master 8000 which i which was the first program i used to to learn uh, chess which uh, of course it was very simple but uh, uh, it was really the first program program i used to to get into more knowledgeable about chess. Yeah, and just to have something to practice against all the time. I mean, yeah, I mean, I could play it against the computer. It was really, um, it was an interesting experience, right? I mean, I could uh, could practice. Uh, I could play. Could set up the level which I wanted to play against the beginner or more advanced. Uh, get crushed against the computer. Hmm. Right. I, I've been there. <laughs> I guess we yeah. all have. Um, yeah. So you played chess, so starting starting with enthusiasm in, in your early teens, and now you are maybe 30, 31. So have you played throughout your life, or did you have some time away for university or anything like that? Like, Or have you just been consistently playing ever since? Uh, actually, uh, it was interesting because uh, I actually uh, I play... Obviously, I, I got into the chess club at 12, and I started playing competitive chess at 13. So I was rated about 1,600, and uh, I've played maybe 10 games per year during the, the 13 to 17, <clears throat> and which isn't a lot, but uh, 10 games per year. And uh, basically, afterwards, I went to the university. I went to Pamplona in, in Spain. 
and um, so I kind of quit uh, competitive chess. So from the period 18 to 24, I didn't play any single rated game. And uh, of course, I wanted to play, but uh, I just played local blitz tournament, and I didn't play any on the board tournament. It's just uh, it's a pity, but uh, I didn't have time. I just was too focused on my on my studies, right? I'm I'm a, I'm an economist, by the way. Okay. So so. And it was also a bit complicated because the chess clubs were a bit far away where I lived in Pamplona when I was a young student. I mean, it just turned out that I maybe I was too lazy to get a bus or whatever and to travel to the chess club. But it wasn't so easy. And uh, I, from the 18 to 22, 18 to 23, I didn't play in a single rated game. So it was uh, when I finished my studies in, in Pamplona, it was around... 23 I went to Luxembourg so back to Luxembourg to to study a master a master degree also in economics and finance and um, that's where I got back to chess because I okay I have free time I have have my car I can travel so I started taking competitive chess again and uh, but it, it was interesting because I was only I was, of course, I had the rating which I had when I was 17. So I was rated 1790. So this shows that from the age 13 to 17, I just gained elo points, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, playing little chess, of course, but. Um, so when I got back, when I was 24, I was doing my master. I got back to competitive chess and I was rated 1790. And in one year, I think I got my rating from from yeah from 1800 to 1900 or something like that. And uh, that's where I wrote about uh, on chess tempo that that I was really struggling against good, I mean, players of my era, right? Because uh, I was always a really... Because during this time when I was in college, I played a lot of Blitz online, right? So I could beat really strong people, really strong grandmasters, IMs and stuff like that on Blitz, but I couldn't really... This didn't never translate to my... OTB experience, right? I I couldn't manage to to beat regularly the 1800s, 1900s, or even uh, 2000 or more. I mean, I was really struggling to to beat these guys, and it was around this age, 24, 25, which I realized that I should refocus my the way I study. So, I mean, I had a, I played uh, the league when I was 24, the Luxembourgish league, and I played the um, some the national championship, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I did quite okay. I mean, I played in the second in the big group 
of uh, the national championship. I think I got third or fourth. Being a 19 hunger, right? For yeah, under, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, for there was the big group for was for under 2000. So I got fourth, and um, yeah, I mean, always for the the amount of games I played, my rating always went up, right? Just from this period though, when I was uh, 24. I was I was playing against 1800s, 1900s. I really struggled a lot to to make improvements, right? I was making many draws, making not winning a lot. But uh, so I I went I went to work to Chile. I was about 25, and when I get back to Madrid. Uh, I was still I was 26. That's where I, I really start working hard on my game. I mean, previously, so that's pretty pretty late in right to yeah. take seriously chess at 26, and I was just a 1900, and um, basically that's where I realized that I, if I wanted to improve, if I wanted to become a 2000, 2100, I would need to to reassess my game, right? To 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 realize what I was doing wrong and to to kind of get the right studying approach, right? Because I, I never really studied, I mean, I played a lot, a lot of online blitz, but I never really put a studying technique the right studying technique to to improve so what did you decide you needed to work on okay so that's where I wrote on chess tempo that I realized that uh, my calculation abilities were weren't so good I mean I mean my blitz abilities were good because that's where you what you need to do right you need to play fast you need to make Good decisions in by intuition, but not very deep uh, think a deep uh, thought process. And uh, what I did was uh, I started a training on on chess tempo and chess.com. So my my approach back then was to to work minimum thirty minutes a day, minimum that was the minimum thirty minutes a day of tactics. And uh, but uh, actually, I did much more. I did like uh, one, one hour, one hour and thirty minutes every day of tactics. Yeah. So uh, in your post, you say thirty day, thirty minutes a day minimum is enough. But you, you, when you had time, you would do more. Yeah, exactly. I would do one hour thirty. Yeah. And you had some other good insights, like um, you said it was uh, useless to guess a move by intuition, and I've certainly been there, especially because sometimes. The, since I have young kids these days, if I'm, if I'm, if I've got a tactics trainer up, I might be distracted, and it's uh, it's it's very tempting to just see the move that you think is probably right and just guess it, but that kind of defeats the purpose. Of course, that, that's when I realized that uh, I, when I started my training at Chess Tempo, I I was rated eighteen hundred fifty something like that, and by realizing that I wasn't thinking deep enough, 
I started to take the right approach and I stopped making these impulsive decisions about guessing the right moves or and my my approach became more about um, really getting all the variants uh, sorted out and finding the right solution so with this approach i and, and i my main approach was was to take all the time i needed right if if i didn't see the solution uh, right away it, it didn't matter i would stay right in front of the of the problem uh, for as long as it took and it really took me even up to my record was uh, 1 hour 30 in a single problem so wow yeah and uh it was really it's like grinding right it's like it's like uh, uh devoting your time to to perfecting your calculation abilities right and um so that's what i did i i i said okay i have free time i will instead of just going problem after problem and just guessing the moves i will just uh devote devote the time i need to to get the solution right and um that was my my approach and and um with good results because i i became i mean i I improved my rating from 1850 to 2000 in about a year in chess tempo. I mean, my and, rating. Yeah. And Chris, after you started really developing a routine and working hard on your calculation, uh, how soon? So you say in a year you went up 150 points, but did you feel sharper like in a week, or did it take a couple months? And in terms of your tournaments, when you got a chance to compete, did you did you see the results right away, or was there a bit of a lag for for what you were learning to to sort of uh, assimilate? Uh, no, the results weren't immediate. Of course not. I mean, it it was a long process. I mean, I. I I improved my rating, my tactical rating from 1850 to 2000 in about a year. And it was, uh, you know, one hour minimum tactical training every day. And um, I would guess my ratings, uh, yes, I, I mean, in about six, six months, I would say. Six months, I, I did see the results. Six months. Okay. And... And uh, in about a year, I got my rating from 1900 to 2000, more or less 2000, yeah. Okay. And uh, so we've had some, the other guests that we've talked improvement with, some feel that you need to to practice with an actual chess set and some feel that it's fine to do stuff on screens. Um, did in, in your post, it looked like most of the stuff you do on compu- is on computers. Do you ever, for your studies, get out a chess set? Uh, I know people that prefer chess sets, but I prefer computers. Okay. I, I think I'm more of a computer guy, really. And I mean, even the books that I read on chess books, uh, I was on PDF, and I use a mini chess board uh, right in the screen of the mobile phone to to make the moves. So I make everything on the computer, right? Okay. Now. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that just goes to show that. 
it, more than one way to skin a cat. So it, it can be done different ways. Um, and Chris, if you don't mind, I'd like to, so this is becoming a tradition here when we talk uh, adult improvement chess. I'm just going to ask you about some different aspects of uh, ways to spend one's chess time. And, and you tell me um, how, uh, how helpful you think they are to one's chess. Um, so the first one I'd like to ask you about is online blitz. Do you think that that helps you become a better player? Uh, I think uh, it, it all depends on your your attitude, right? If you just play blitz and never analyze afterwards, I think it's just wasting time. But if you play, for example, minimum, I would say, I mean, even a five-minute game. I mean, less than five minutes is, I think, it's just too quick. So I think the minimum is five minutes. But I would recommend longer time control, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes with increment. And to be any useful, uh, to be any, uh, to, be, to be useful for any training purpose. I mean, even a five-minute game can be useful. I mean, five minutes is the minimum time control to, to, to get something out of the game, to, to, to learn, maybe. So I would recommend to play minimum five minutes with increment ideally would be like 15 minutes with 10 seconds increments and uh, I always recommend to 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 after you finish the game obviously uh, first of all when you play the opening you should try your best to make the best moves and everything and afterwards when you analyze the game you should research the openings. You should you should you should uh, you should analyze with an engine. Obviously, you should analyze on your own first of all, and then make um, annotations about the game. You should uh, should get organized, right? You should get a chess 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 database and even a fifteen minute game where you play. If if, if it's any interest. You should uh, you should analyze it analyze it uh, deeply and uh, try to get l- to learn something from each game, right? Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and that that echoes what what other guests have said. If you're if you're just doing a binge where you play for hours and never look at the game, you're it's, it's no, not going to help you actually, much. Actually, my my approach was always even if I play a five minute game. Uh, I would always analyze the game with a with a database, research the opening. Uh, I would analyze with an engine. I would analyze on my own. I would try my best to learn something from each game. That's I think that's the approach. Um, if if you just play for hours and never analyze a game, I think um, it's just wasting time, right? It's your I mean, you will get better at Blitz, but you will not improve at your chess knowledge or get anything from the game you play, right? Yeah. I think you need to analyze every, maybe not every game, but um, the most interesting ones, right? I think there's a lot to learn from each game, even if yeah. it's Blitz. So that's that's what I think. Even You can learn from Blitz, yeah. But I would recommend rapid time controls. Okay, yeah, and you mentioned you do a lot of training games in rapid time controls, or at least yes. you, did, you did when you were when you were making this push. Yeah, when I was making, 
when I'm when I had this big improvement from when I was 26, right? I started my serious training. I, w- I would do one hour 30 of tactical training. Then I would play two two rapid games, minimum 15, 15 minutes, 10, 10 increment. And uh, I would do my best, and then I would analyze it very seriously. So this would all take another hour and a half, right? So we're talking all in all, you're spending maybe three hours a day on chess at this point? Yeah, that was the minimum, yeah. Wow, that's that's a lot. That's uh, that's commendable and uh, enviable at the same time because uh, I know that some of our listeners, for some of our listeners, that's just not practical, you know. But but obviously, um, it's uh, the you know the more the more you put in, the more you can take out. Um, okay, so let's get on to to some other possible ways to spend chess time. Do you follow elite chess? Do you watch tournaments online when they're happening? Yes, I used to watch uh, all the main competitions online. Um, obviously, the cha- world championships, obviously the all the main events, so the big and C, all those. Uh, every, every main event I, w- I would follow, and uh, I would just see the commentators analyze the positions, and I would, yeah, it was. Of course, I had a lot of free time at one point. And I would uh, follow the games live, but of course, it's, maybe it's not practical for everyone. Not everyone has time to to follow the events. Yeah, and but do you think that helps your chess, or is it more just like for fun? I think uh, in part it's for fun, obviously, but I think um, you can learn uh, every every chess source is. It's good to, 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 to learn something new, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's not the best way to, to really learn yourself because you're watching elite games where maybe you will not understand all the ideas, all the opening moves. And so maybe it's just more for fun. But I think if you have a good commentator like Peter Wittler or something like that, uh, it can be... It's always useful. The more chess you intake is the best. The more chances you will have to improve, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't recommend it to just improve, to watch uh, tournaments, but it, it could be another source of improvement, right? Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, this one you wrote a lot about in one of your posts, but might as well let you uh, speak about it from the heart. What's... What do you think about studying openings? How important is it uh, for improvement? Yeah, I think uh, openings are... What I, what I wrote in, in chess.com article was that you shouldn't focus too much on openings until you were more advanced player, right? Because uh, that's where opening theory becomes more important, right? Uh, starting from 2100 or more. But uh, I believe for the casual player, for the club player, um, openings do not matter as much as people would think. But uh, obviously it's important to, to have um, good setups, I mean, uh, to learn, to, to have your, to, to at least know what the first seven moves of the game are, right? 
I mean, if you don't know that, um, you're pretty lost. So uh, you need to know the setups, how to how to maneuver in in specific positions. But uh, really, it's it comes with practicing, right? Obviously, the more you compete, the more need of opening knowledge you will it will come naturally if if you compete more you will need more opening knowledge it's just it's just a natural thing and yeah, uh, yeah so i i believe uh, opening is not is uh, i mean i think because because uh, you see all the time will amateurs right 1600 will the will buy many chess books they will have all their shelves uh, complete with many 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 opening books and i think you will learn more by uh, by studying middle game strategy end game and tactical tactical problems right i think uh, if you put all your attention into openings I think you might be burning time you might be not using wisely your resources right yeah your, your time yeah so, the the advice I generally give is if if you take a handful of your games like if you look at like your last 15 tournament games uh, or anyone looks at their last 15 tournament games or something like that and you try to isolate the single reason why whatever result you got was attained, I would say that below the 2000 level, in in my experience, it's very rarely going to be because of the opening that that the result that you got was attained, especially if you lose. If you if you study the openings really well and you out-prepare your opponent, you can sometimes catch them in traps and get some, some easy wins that way. But in terms of lo- loses, losses, I've found that it's it's very rarely because of the opening. It's usually because of an endgame mistake or a miscalculation mistake or some combination of the two. And until you see the openings really starting to impact your results, that's that's when it'll be a cue that it's time to really ramp up the opening study, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. Totally agree. I mean, I think... Uh, um and the lower rate level, uh, most most mistakes come from tactical mistakes, right? That's clear. Uh, so maybe losing a piece or miscalculating a variation or... Missing so, a move, yeah. Yeah, missing a move, right? Uh, losing a pawn or... I mean, it's just... Uh, opening doesn't play such a big role there, right? I agree with you. I mean, um, for the lower raiders, I will I will recommend more tactical training. I mean, that's uh, really more important to to get better at tactical okay. uh, tactical vision uh, than just focusing on openings. I mean, I think. I really think uh, openings preparation really matter when you get really good. That's yeah, yeah, and the, and the obviously the the better you get, the more important they become. But the converse yeah. of that is also true. The the 
the lower rated you are, the less important. Um, all right. And you also, in one of your posts, talked about the importance of studying end games. Yes, 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 yes. Because I, I realized that my I had I didn't play the endings so well. I mean, I, I think my overall game was okay, but I think my endings uh, sometimes were a bit weak. So, so I focused a lot of uh, studying time into endings. So, one of my well, I, I, I use many books. Uh, one I've, I found really interesting was uh, Shershevsky Endgame Strategy Book. Yeah, that's a which great I, book. Yeah, I recommend highly. And uh, also, I just play some games and analyze the end game. All right. So uh, I think uh, you can learn a lot from your games, right? So. So every time you have an interesting endgame, you should analyze it um, deeply and trying to get some conclusion about it, like uh, uh, I could have activated my king sooner or whatever. So trying to get some 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 conclusion from the most interesting endgames that you play, and uh, that's. Uh, what I would say. Yeah, and you mentioned in in the post that it's not per se like know the Lucina position, know the Philidor position, although those are obviously such classics that you probably should know those. But it's not yeah. so much that you need to know, like you. I think you mentioned you don't need to memorize Dvoretsky's Endgame Manual. It's more about understanding the approach. And, and the book you mentioned, Cherashevsky's Endgame Strategy, I think is is particularly good on, on that. I mean, it just shows like this is this is how you treat uh, this position, you know. This is how you treat a good bishop versus and you know a bishop versus a knight in an end game, uh, and so on and so forth. So it's not so much that you're going to memorize uh, specific positions, but just you're going to see ideas in action, and hopefully it will seep into your subconscious. And a book that I my client recommended when I had him on, and that I'm also a fan of, Capablanca's uh, Best Endings, is also a good one for that, where you you just see a plan in action. Uh, you don't. It's not necessarily memorization. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think uh, many people are mistaken when they think, "Oh, I'm going to study end- endings, and uh, I will just take the latest Dvoretsky manual, and I will just go from theoretical position from theoretical position. I will study all, all in detail. I mean, that's." I think it's just a waste of time. I think you should get more. Uh, you should know, like the main theoretical, uh, like you say, the Lucena, the uh, stuff like that, right? But to get more, uh, to learn more about endings, you should really try to develop like uh, strategic thinking, right? And yeah. Uh, and um, I think uh, the good, really good book for that is uh, Shershevsky's book. Also, there's some interesting books out there. I mean, I think Igor Smirnov is quite interesting. For what's it, what's it Igor, called? Igor Igor Smirnov is the author. Igor Smirnov. Okay. Is uh, is could be recommended to to club players. I mean, I learned. 
from the, his ending books, I learned uh, quite a lot. And uh, yeah, I think uh, you shouldn't focus too much on the like um, on very theoretical positions. You should focus more on how to m make practical decisions decisions uh, in your games, and that's uh, you you develop that by analyzing maybe your own games. So it's not such a complicated thing to 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 attain. Yeah, and speaking of analyzing your own games, we have a question from a supporter of the podcast. Uh, Chad Oliver asks, um, please describe your process for analyzing your games and your ability to recall your thought process from the game during your analysis. And Chad would like for you to answer that and for me as well. So... Who do you want to go first, Chris? Uh, the first question. Yeah, do you want me to take it first, or uh, or or do you want to go first? Uh, you, you can go first. Okay. So for me, uh, Chad, and it is a good question, specifically the part about how well you recall your thought process, because what I found, especially um, as I move inexorably towards uh, middle age, is that I don't remember my thought process as well as I used to. And for me, that means that there's it, it's increasingly important for me to analyze the game soon after it's over. If I analyze it within a day, I found, I'm pretty well able to um, to write down what I thought. Um, you know, if you think about uh, behavioral economics, I know you mentioned that, that you're an economist. You know, people like uh, Daniel Kahneman have written about the importance of decision journals, basically where if you're trying to improve your thought process on something, uh, one of the best ways to do it is to journal what you're thinking in real time, which obviously you can't do in a chess tournament, but you want to try to replicate that as best you can in a tournament. So that means you know, obviously, especially with the American style of chess tournament where you're playing two or sometimes even more games per day, you can't just write, you can't take the time, you need to rest in between rounds. So you can't write everything immediately. But as soon as you get a chance, try to write down everything you thought. And it's almost more important to get it down than to do the analysis because it's, it's from dissecting the thought process later that you can make progress. And I know I've had the experience as a busy working parent where I'll play a tournament and playing a tournament for me, it, it requires a lot of uh, moving parts. I have to make sure my wife can watch the kids. It's not so easy for me to not have anything to do for a couple of days. So the mere feat of getting to the tournament is hard. So then for me to have the time to uh, analyze the games the way they, the way they should be is tricky. But I can definitely tell you that the times that I've let it go and then I try to look at the game three weeks later without having taken a look, it's there's... Sub significant diminishing returns in the analysis because I'll look at moves and I just don't exactly know why I played them. I mean, I obviously you can kind of piece it together and my moves aren't so bad that, that uh, I can't understand them at all, but sometimes I'll, you know, there'll be a better move and I won't remember why, why didn't I play that better move? Did I look at it or did I just miss it entirely? Was there, you know, a behavioral reason uh, that I missed something? It's very important to focus on behavioral uh, 
ticks, biases, where you might just want to avoid complications or something. And if you notice that trend in your games, that's something that you need to address. So that's kind of a, a wandering answer. But basically, I would say it, it is important when you analyze it. And of course, we've had many guests, Chad, talk about how important it is to analyze without an engine. Um, I think that's important as well. I'm not, as I've mentioned before, I'm not... Um, a total stickler if there's a really complicated tactical position and you just have to see what it was like you just want to see what the win was i'm i understand the human impulse to do that and it's okay to turn the engine on in my opinion and just check it out but but you really want to try to replicate the tournament conditions when you're analyzing as soon as possible after the tournament and that's that's my answer yes uh, from my part i would say that uh i w- uh, I agree with you that uh, the the sooner you analyze the game after you played it, the better because um, um, if you analyze it like say one day afterwards, you will not get the freshness. You will not uh, get the same. You you will lose a lot of uh, of your what what was going on through your mind, right? And uh, so I recommend really that uh, right afterwards, when you play a game, when you you arrive home, you should uh, analyze it right away. Like maybe just the the sooner the better, right? And uh, I think uh, I know some people who write down their thought process in in books and make not annotations. But I just like to analyze my games with, uh, of course, I analyze it on my own and try to get uh, conclusions and ideas of what I played, why I played this or that. But uh, when I when I've been analyzing for for um, for like say twenty minutes, I say okay, now it's time to get the engine in. And I think the engine is, is is very useful. I mean, don't get me wrong, because uh, you cannot you cannot analyze it only by yourself. You need a you need an engine to to tell you what what you did wrong. Or the thing is, you you need to use the engine wisely. I mean, you need to to. I mean, the engine will tell you what the best move is. But it will not tell you why, so you need to be careful there when you analyze and uh, maybe make play against the computer to see why move is good or bad. So I think, uh, but answering to the question is just that the sooner the better. I think uh, you should always analyze the, the the position as fresh as you can and uh, and uh, that's that's a really important thing if you can make annotations on your own of course you, if you can get a stronger player to do the annotations perfect but if you can you can write down what you thought about a specific move or a specific moment and uh, this is very useful. And uh, I maybe review these these games 
after a while so you can get an idea of how you play back then and yeah so that would be my recommendations to always analyze the game as soon as you can and uh, take it very serious very seriously right so yeah. that's that's what i would say and have you ever had a have you ever probably not as a kid or at least not extensively have you hired a trainer at all as an adult have you ever had uh, stronger players that regularly analyzed your games yes i had a few trainers yes i when i was uh, 26 right when i started my my serious training i yeah i got a few trainers i got i started with um, I had a uh, Dusan Popovic, who is from a grandmaster from Serbia. I had um, Christoph Selecki, Chess Explained. Yeah, I know you mentioned. I'm a big fan of his, and I know you mentioned as well in your uh, in one of your posts that you found yeah. his videos in particular to be uh, quite um, educational. Yeah, exactly. And uh, also had a uh, Zoltan Medvegi, who is a, s- a strong grandmaster from Hungary. Hungary. And um, I think uh, my latest my latest uh, trainer is uh, a Madrid cha- champion uh, Javier Moreno, who's a very strong player. And uh, but basically, what I do with my trainers is just going through my games, right? I just I don't have time to 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 go through some some standard lesson right i what i what i focus in is uh, is just okay i played this game let's analyze it and tell me what i did wrong right mm-hmm. so yes i had quite a few trainers and i think uh it was quite a positive experience i mean i think i learned a lot yeah, definitely. If you can afford to get a trainer, it can definitely uh, speed up the learning process. Okay, just a, just a couple more questions, Chris, regarding different ways to different facets of the game to work on, and then I want to get some book recommendations, and then uh, I'll let you go if if that's if that okay. timeline works for you. Yeah. Sure. Uh, okay. So, how important do you think it is to study grandmaster games? Um. I think it's it's important because uh, because grandmaster um, will will play many subtle moves and uh, you will learn more from a grandmaster game uh, than say if you analyze like uh, eighteen hundred game right right so I I think. Uh, Grandmaster analysis games is is um, is quite interesting. Also, uh, the thing is, uh, if you are an aspiring player, you you want to learn uh, analyzing grandmaster games is is good to to see how beautiful moves are made. But the thing is, uh, maybe it's it will be too complicated to understand to understand fully, even with annotations. So. I think uh, um, um, yeah, I mean it's it's always good to analyze grandmaster games, but the thing is uh, it could be a bit 
let's say I, yeah yeah i think i can i can sum up what you're getting at i think if or at least i can try because i, I agree with the, the strain of thought which is basically you can learn from studying grandmaster games it certainly can't hurt but in terms of uh, optimizing your time i suspect that that working on your own calculation would be a a, a bigger um boost to your performance exactly because uh grandmaster games are just the main truth is it's too complicated right yeah so, so learning having learning uh, a lot from grandmaster games is just like uh, it's like a matter of luck really to to learn specifically from grandmaster games so i think uh, le- you should learn more from your own games right yeah and of course, there's more to chess than chess improvement in terms of appreciating the the beauty of chess and the history of chess and understanding the different styles of uh, past champions. Uh, that that's something that that studying the the greats contributes to greatly and has great value. But if you've got an hour a day to devote to devote to chess and your number one goal is chess improvement, then then I wouldn't say you should never look at games, but it shouldn't be your number one priority exactly i mean i think um uh, looking at the uh, world champions uh, games is just more of uh, a matter of getting just into for pure entertainment right i wouldn't think it's just it's really good to to improve right to to look at the really strong players because yeah especially in my opinion the modern games are just so complicated um you know when when if you go back to the capablanca era when he had such a big edge on his opponents i think that those games are a little bit easier to follow um but still i think uh working on your own game uh is probably better i mean ideally you'd be doing everything but (laughs) unfortunately uh, life doesn't work that way for us adult improvers um so chris what's your opinion about exercise as it relates to chess improvement do you think it matters uh you you mean physical exercise yeah oh i mean i think being fit helps i mean just being healthy and eating well uh, of course it helps and probably no smoking <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um yes i mean you should you should uh, stay fit and you should exercise i mean one hurt the game that's yeah. for sure yeah, basically goes without saying. Okay, and uh, I'd like to get a few more recommendations from you. So you rec- you mentioned the Igor Smirnov book. Do you happen to remember the title on that one? Or uh, he has many books, so he has a really big collection. Okay. But the the one I read was about the endings, so I don't think he has many endings books. Okay, and of course Sharashevsky. And do you have any other favorite resources or? Um... Yes, I mean uh, a really good uh, source is uh, Chess OK, uh, which is uh, Russian software. Hmm. Uh, which uh, the software is called Peshka, and uh, it's really good. I mean, of course you have to pay, but uh, they have really tons of exercises of middle game strategy, endings, uh, tactical exercises. And I think it's very useful. This is mainly 
prepare for club players, um, not not for IMs or grandmaster. So that's a really good resource. I would recommend highly. And um, yes. Okay, and you mentioned in one of your posts, uh, you were also you worked a lot with Chess Mentor on Chess.com, which I guess they now call Lessons. Like if you click on the tab where it says Lessons, and you can go through, you know, playing a bishop versus versus a knight in an endgame, and uh, you know, uh, converting material advantages and rook versus bishop and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, any yeah. other favorite? Any other favorite books? Um. Yeah, I mean, just for pure pleasure, I would recommend the the Kasparov series of, on the World Championship. But yeah. it's just for pure pure entertainment. I mean, for for improvement, I mean, I think uh, American author Jeremy Silman is quite decent. Yeah, he's great. And um, yeah, there are a few books. I mean, the the. I I can just pick up in my mind right now. Yeah, no, I mean we've got plenty plenty of resources. Um, so one question from Peter Newhall, another supporter of the podcast, who says, uh, "Peter says I think I'm most interested to hear what changed in your approach when you made a lot of improvement from 2013 to 2015 versus the last cup versus the last couple of years where it seems like." Uh, your rating has flatlined. Is th- this is very common, or this is very common? But it also suggests that perhaps your advice is specific to A players trying to make it to expert level. Yes, I mean, um, yes. Um, my advice, where I what I give in the chess tempo, I think it's more towards yes, A players because um, I think the lower rated should focus more on uh, getting pattern recognition because we all start with that, right? Pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't have enough pattern recognition, uh, high rate problems will be uh, much difficult. So it's important to have a wide var- uh, uh, variety of pattern recognition in your mind so you can solve high rate problems. And my approach, what I give is what I say that you should take uh, that should devote uh, as long as you can for each problem. I think it works better with high-rated opponents, like uh, higher-rated uh, players. I mean, mainly towards eighteen hundred or more. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what's going on with your chest now, Chris? Are you still pushing to improve, or are you kind of taking a break? Uh- uh, right now, I'm kind of taking a break. I mean, it's, I've kind of plateaued myself in my rating. I've been around 2,100 uh, for the last five years. So, last four or five years. And um, it's really difficult to improve. I mean, <laughs> I think I reached my maximum, really. <laughs> wow. that That's a... Uh, no, most people won't admit to that. Um, I, I mean, I think that, that you do reach a point where the the diminishing returns are real. And I wouldn't say that that means that one cannot improve, but it certainly, it gets more challenging. So did you, so you mentioned you were studying for three hours a day when you made this big push. And we've talked a lot about what it is that you did. Now, as you've sort of plateaued around 2100 have you continued i mean you said you're not doing it now but was there a period where you continued that regimen of putting in a lot of time and just the results weren't there anymore exactly yeah for a couple of years i tried really hard 
to improve to 2200 but uh, the results weren't there really I mean uh, I realized that to get better I would have to be much more knowledgeable about opening theory I would have to play endings much better uh, um, the input of hours I would need to 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 study it would be so great that uh, it wouldn't compensate the extra 100 points that I would get yeah that's that's where I realize in my mind it's just so hard to improve when you reach uh, really a certain level so yeah I, mean, I wouldn't it, you know I wouldn't be so sure that that you can't do it but I I get that I mean no, one, I, once one's yeah. energy for this it ebbs and flows I mean in my case when 2100 is already quite decent right but uh, for me at least for me it's a milestone so Getting to 2200, I would need to be a lot more consistent. That it just, I see it's so complicated to. I mean, I would have to study a lot. That, that yeah, I mean, uh, as a as a working adult, three hours a day is that's borderline unsustainable. I would say. Yeah, uh, but yeah, even five hours a week. Um, I think I might not be enough to to get to 2200. I mean, in my case, it might be because I, I I took I retook chess quite late, right? I was 25, 26 when I started studying seriously. So, if I started studying uh, seriously chess when I was 18, maybe the result would be different. Maybe I would be a feeder master right now, but. Uh, at least I got a, some college education, right? Yeah, <laughs> you, you cannot you cannot have everything, right? Yeah, it's true. No, I know. I I, I can relate for sure. I mean, I from my, my goals are. I'd like to make another push in chess, but for me, it's like my rating fell off. I peaked at age eighteen, and my rating fell off enough where, uh, I, I just want to get to close to. I want to get to in the neighborhood of how good I was at my best. Get like a. a yeah. Attaining new highs doesn't seem doable right now for me. Um but but I mean I, I think with 5 hours a week you can one can make improvement. But Yeah, sure, a, sure. That's I'm not saying I for I saying for myself that even yeah. if I put 5 hours I I mean I think I reached my maximum. So even if I study a lot, I will make little improvements, but I will not improve a lot. So but I think for for people that are lower rated like 1600, 1800, whatever, whatever feed rate, rate, rating they have, uh, there's a ton of improvement to make. I mean, there's a ton of improvement. So one hour a day is is really good time to, to improve. Uh, to One hour a day, let's say five hours a week, is good enough to make improvements. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, and again, just to to hammer this point home, I think especially in terms of working on calculation, because I, you know, I'm a similar similar level to you, twenty one seventy feet, and as I start to contemplate uh, like plugging the holes in my game, it sort of feels like whack a mole because it's like I, I basically need to get better at everything, right? Uh, whereas whereas when you're coming from a lower level, of course, you do need to get better at everything, but so much so. So much of one's results is determined by tactics. Yeah, exactly. I mean, tactical improvement would will be uh, really good for lower rated. 
And uh, the thing is, uh, for high rated, it's just so much needs to be improved. So, uh, I mean, but uh, in a more subtle way, right? Because maybe you need to improve your opening theory. Maybe you need to improve your ending technique. So it's more subtle, and this requires a lot of work. And I, uh, for myself, I don't think I can really, <laughs> really improve a lot. It would take a lot of time. Of yeah. Well, from my perspective and from my listeners, I just you know we I think we would uh we would hope that you don't give up. It's to, like I said, totally understandable to to take breaks and recharge. But I don't know. I don't think um you know we talk sometimes with with various guests about the nature of talent in chess, and I think if you know if you can make it to twenty one hundred, you can make it farther. But it it does uh. Not definitely not meaning to imply that it's easy. <laughs> it it uh it does get harder and harder the higher you go. Exactly. I mean, it's it gets really tough to to improve every single rating point. Uh, but the good news for the lower rated is that the there's a lot of room to imp- for improvement for the sixteen hundred, eighteen hundred, nineteen hundred. So it's just it's just that it's. For high rated, it's just you. You need to study so much that it basically becomes a second life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, well, Chris, thanks for all of the inspiration and ideas of uh, how to how, how to improve one's chest. Do, do you have anything you'd like to say before uh, before we we get out of here? Well, just. I, I, I would like to say that uh, me myself of not uh, being able to to improve doesn't make people lose interest in their own improvement. I mean, there's ton of ways to improve. There's a ton of way to to there's a lot of room for improvement for for many people. Just that uh, in my case, it's just. Uh, I'm taking a break because it's just really hard to to improve. <laughs> no, and it's frustrating. I mean, we can't, we shouldn't gloss over the, the the emotions behind it. If you're putting a lot into something, and you're not getting a, re- a tangible return on on the investment of your time and resources, um, that it can be hard to keep pushing. And sometimes, sometimes you need a break in order to just sort of gather your energy again. Uh, yeah exactly yeah or not i mean it's you know chess is a beautiful game and one can one can just enjoy it as a fan and play for fun and you know even compete but not necessarily with the idea that like i must get better Um, yes i mean if for for myself i i'm reaching this point where i okay i reach my maximum i i just want to enjoy my hobby right yeah exactly that's that's what i i mean i put a lot of hours to improve from 1900 to 2100 i think it's good enough improvement just that uh, i don't think i can make it (laughs) if without a a lot of studying uh, to improve to 2200 so yeah that's that's well i well i appreciate the the perspective and the candor um i mean it's good that we don't you know, we shouldn't make this sound easy. And um, so, Chris, if anyone wants to reach you, do you, I, I suppose they can they can find you on chess.com or chess tempo? Is there another way that that people could reach you? 
Uh, mainly chess.com and chess tempo is good enough. Okay, so I, I'll uh, I'll link to those, and that is how I track Chris down. So okay, um, yeah, and I, I really appreciate again you're taking the time. This this was fun and insightful. Okay, thanks a lot for inviting me. Thanks to everyone who helps make Perpetual Chess possible. That includes Geert Vandervelt for supplying the intro music, Matthew Passy, my esteemed producer, and everyone who's written a good review on Apple Podcasts or other podcast platforms or told a friend about the show. Every little bit helps. But of course, I'm most indebted to those who donate to support the show. Without you guys, the show would not be possible. And I want to give special thanks to my Patreon and PayPal Perpetual Partners. Here are your names. I'm slowly but surely correcting some mispronunciations. So let's see how I do this time. Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adam Vrancourge, Adrian Gutierrez, Alex Pejas, Ali Morchetti, Andres Krizdwa, Brian Mullis, Carl Labans. I am Carlos Perdomo of ChessAtlanta.com, Chad Hilton, Chad Oliver, Chris Flanagan, Chris Wainscott, Christopher Chabri, Christopher Wood. I am Christoph Zilicki, a.k.a. Chess Explain, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Dan O'Hanlon, Daniel Ginsberg, Daniel Lucas, Daniel Naylor, Daniel D. Schaefer, Daniel Vine-E, Dwayne Edmonds, Ethan Smith, Donnie Ariel, Frank Tortoris, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Greg Shahadi, Harish Srinivasan, GM Jakob Agard, James Banastia, Jason Woolham, Jennifer Valens of OffTheRook.com, Jeffrey Martello, John Fernandez, John Hartman, John Jernigan, Jen Shahadi, Jens Green, Jerry Wells, John Thompson, Johnny McMenamin, Katarina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, Kostya Kovutsky, Krishna Gopalakrishnan, Laura Belyavsky, Leo Delgado, Lorraine Dore, Matthew Passy, Macaulay Peterson of the Full English Breakfast, Matthew Tedesco, Nate Salon, Nathan Webster, Pascal Charbonneau, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Peter Merrifield, Randy Temple, Ricky Grijalva, Rob Lazorchek, Robert Steiner, Ryan Stone, Steiner Lima, Stuart Katz, WGM Tatyav Abrahamian, Thomas Stanix, Thomas Tachenko, Tim Brennan, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Todd Bryant, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Victor Vrancouge, Zhao Cheng, and Zhivko Stoyanov. Thanks a lot, everyone. Catch you guys soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.